From LPL Financial, welcome to Market Signals. Welcome, everybody, to this edition of the LPL Research Market Signals podcast. Uh, my name is Mark Zabicki, Chief Investment Officer at LPL. Joining me today is uh, Quincy Crosby, Chief Global Strategist. Quincy, how are you this week after Thanksgiving? I'm good. Thank you. It was a good Thanksgiving. Um, you know, the U.S. did a good job at the World Cup, pushing hey. pushing the uh, Lions back and yeah. you know, coming up the draw. But we have to we have to now look for uh, the U.S. and Iran. We want the yeah. U.S. to yeah, win they, that game, right? And yeah. Certainly an interesting game. Yes. Over kind of uh, it was Friday over the over the weekend. Let's yeah. call it. But. Um, yeah. We are recording this uh, on Tuesday, yeah. November 29th. So we've just spent a, a nice uh, Thanksgiving weekend. Hope everybody did um, as well. Uh, but, but back to work, as they say. Um, yeah. So in terms of what we want to cover today, as we look at the disclosures and, and move on, just um, the equity market continues to be somewhat buoyant, perhaps influenced um, by some conversation around, you know, Fed speculation, which is you know seemingly always case. Um, so not quite as strong over the last five trading days as we have seen in the past. You know, markets up just U.S. markets up just uh, you know modestly. Um, Quincy, just in terms of the equity market backdrop, um, how, how would you characterize? what we've seen from the market over the last, you know, couple of weeks or so. You know, it's a market that, ha you know, was able to conquer uh, 3,900, uh, 4,000, and then, and obviously it retreated. But, you know, there was an awful lot. I mean, in fact, I think it, it, it reached one of the highest points ever of put buying. And that gives you a nice hedge uh, you, it, you, it allows you in many ways to be more aggressive because you have downside protection. And, and what we've seen, Mark, is that the market, the market had a nice breath, it, 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 it climbed higher, and then we saw a, a pullback. The expectations were, by the way, that yesterday, Monday, uh, that we would see uh, profit taking. This is before, by the way, uh, the market was given a catalyst for profit taking, and that comes from China. But the point is, uh, the market was overbought, you know, technically overbought as we came into this week, and it was expected that we would see uh, profit taking, and, and, and we did. So now, now uh, you know, we've got a week of very important data. We've got Chairman Powell speaking, and the mark, there are a number of catalysts for the market to climb higher. Uh, also, if it disappoints, you know, it will probably lead to more profit taking. Yeah, um, certainly a, a lot of moving parts uh, mm -hmm. in the in the U.S. and global equity markets. We turn to let's back up here just a bit. We turn to fixed income, um, more robust fixed income activity due to the fact that that yields have been uh, trending down here of late. Commodities still continue to be some semblance of a of a problem area, Quincy. We're going to get into that, uh, you know, just a little bit as we talk about one of the big influencers on the commodity market, which is is China. But last week, and you and you touched on it, the FOMC minutes, um, you know, it, and, and it was discussed via the minutes that um, you know the the Federal Reserve is perhaps 
looking to downsize some of its rate increases in the coming months. So I think right now in terms of in the implied Fed funds, we're seeing the likelihood of, of a 50% or 50 basis point hike uh, in the December meeting. Um, as you put your finger on the pulse of, of the Fed, Quincy, um, what, what is what is your assessment and your in your expectation for what what are what are Fed policymakers thinking at this point? Well, you know, there's an onslaught of, of Fed policy speakers. Even yesterday, I mean, we had the China issues as a catalyst for profiting. But remember, toward the end of the day, uh, it was Fed speak that you know we have to keep going. Uh, we, the terminal rate is probably going to be higher than five, five and a half percent. That that theme keeps popping up. And, you know, that's one that the market doesn't want to see. But the fact is, we don't know. And I don't think the Fed knows. I mean, that we have this assumption that just because the Fed has an outline of where it thinks it's going to end the rate hikes, they don't know either. So the market how do I say this? The market has to basically adjust. And we also have more quantitative tightening. And we can't forget that. Quantitative tightening is the opposite of quantitative easing, which, as we know, uh, liquefied the market, allowed risk taking uh, to the point that, you know, the Fed was worried about the, the risk taking. Even in, in 2018, when Chairman Powell started to raise rates, it wasn't it wasn't because of inflation, it was to normalize rates. So the quantitative tightening, $95 billion a month, the winding down of the balance sheet, that is going to add to financial conditions tightening. And the market has a sense of how much, but doesn't really know absolutely. It's, going, it's certainly going to add to the cumulative effect of the rate hikes already in in the economy and that you know still working its way through the economy and mark at it, at the margin we have heard at least two doves uh in, in terms of you know the fed um leadership come out and say that we probably need another 100 basis points of rate hikes so you get the 50 and maybe uh, right now the fed funds futures market is looking for another 50 uh, at the first meeting in, in the new year, which is January 31st, uh, February 1st, where they'll make the announcement. So, yeah. uh, you know, they're not going to be finished, but they may go to 25 basis points and 25 basis points after that, if they feel more work needs to be done. Yeah, I mean, yeah, yeah. I mean, certainly a lot of uh, of of uncertainty, as as you point out, and and the and and, and I guess. You know, watchers of the Market Signals podcast probably ask themselves, you know, why do they talk about the Federal Reserve every week? Well, I mean, there's a re there's a reason for that because yeah. so much of asset price movement really depends on um, the Federal Reserve policy and what the Fed members do or don't do with with policy. And 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 I think there's some there's been some uptick in risky asset prices in in recent weeks, largely due to Yes. We we see perhaps a light at the end of the tunnel. We have we see some additional yeah. visibility of of a Fed actually winding down its its rate hikes at some point, perhaps in early 2023. So I think market participants have kind of gravitated to that notion. As we mentioned here, even European equity markets have been uh, surprisingly buoyant to the upside. 
with banks helping to lead um, that effort. U.S. economic data continues to point to some slowing uh, based on um, you know pressures from from Fed policy, no question. But so far, I think the deceleration can be labeled as as orderly. I think for the most part. So we'll see how that how that continues. But those are some of the key issues last week. See, I'm I'm going to kind of turn it back to you on on U.S. economic data this week, and and you know clearly we've got jobs numbers and that that's that's obviously a, a very important number for the federal reserve to kind of digest but um uh and then gdp quarter over quarter but you know it, how do you think the federal reserve is going to look at the jobs numbers what what is the is the expectation and what could a a a strong or weak jobs number kind of portend for markets on friday well you, you know even before we get to Friday, what's really helping the market, by the way, is the initial unemployment claims and continuing claims. How do I say that? We have to we have to tr translate it through the eyes of the Fed, right? Because we see initial unemployment claims ticking higher and continuing claims ticking higher. That's good news. Good news if you want the Fed to see that the labor market is beginning to show signs of coming into a, an equilibrium, right? That what they want to see and what they want to see on Friday, two things. One is that the um, number of new jobs is lower than expectations, that's one, but also that wages come down. This is important for the Fed because remember wages are an input cost, just like anything else. And what do companies try to do? take that input cost of higher wages and up the prices of what they're charging for their services, the goods that they produce, that's inflationary. So if we see wages coming down, and right now consensus estimates show that hourly wages may tick down just a bit, that's very, very good news. And they also want to see the work week. You know, they, uh, they, there's a sub-report within the larger report of hours worked. That's important because fewer hours means the economy is slowing and workers are not needed as much. That's what the Fed wants to see. Uh, you know, we'll get a report on Wednesday, the ADP report. That gives you a, what shall I say, a path towards Friday, but it is the um, private sector report. Friday's report is a larger, broader report, and it's the one that the market obviously focuses on. But again, it is about wages. It is about hours per week. And they don't want to see a surprise to the upside. A surprise to the downside would be very welcomed by the Fed. Yeah, agreed. And and, and, the, and the good news is, is current economists um, are expecting ADP, uh, the non-farm payrolls number on Friday, uh, and on also average hourly earnings to to tick down from the yeah. previous reading that that would be that would be good news as you pointed out. So we'll we'll see how what this week brings, but it's an important one for economic data. Yes. Here's what effectively what's what's going to go on outside of the U.S. Some important numbers to pay attention to, particularly um, CPI uh, in in the eurozone uh, and other producer price index numbers out of the Eurozone as well. Um, this week, as we as we move through um, the mid stages of, of Tuesday here in the US, 
infancy. Um, the expectation again, again, we we almost get almost tired of talking about it. But Federal Reserve policy is going to be front and center. Yeah. Uh, Jerome Powell gets a chance to to speak on on Wednesday. That is expected to move markets. So, um, and and I'm, it's probably not going to be a surprise what I think you're going to say, uh, Quincy. But what do you think Jerome Powell is going to say on on Wednesday? How is he going to jawbone? Uh, market participants? Well, you know, he probably looking at least our market and financial conditions easing. We know it's easing. We, we know the dollar is weaker, which is a form of easing. It's a manifestation of the currency market seeing the Fed go, stepping down, as you pointed out initially. Um, so that also helps in financial conditions easing. The Fed doesn't want to see that. The Fed wants to see financial conditions tightening, not to the point of breaking something, but tightening enough to have the market less risk on. That's what they want. So he's got a, uh, how do I say this? He's, he's, he's got a fine line to, 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 to cross, to walk on. Uh, he's got to ensure that the Fed knows what it's doing. You know, we always assume, oh my goodness, the Fed knows what it's doing. But let's remember something. Let's remember that the Fed suggested for so many months that the inflation, uh, inflationary presses were transitory, which they were not. The Fed was surprised by the numbers coming out of a CPI report and the University of Michigan inflationary expectations from consumers report. Enough so that during a blackout period, they went to the press and said it won't be Seven, it won't be 50 basis points, we're moving to 75 basis points. So it isn't as if they are more prescient than the collective of US consumers and you know, folks who, who live in the real economy. So that said, what he has to do is be confident and ensure uh, for the market that the Fed understands why it is stepping down. Not because it's been told to do it by the market, but that it needs to do it in order, in order to assess the cumulative effects, the lagged effects of the previous rate hikes. And, and that's important because, you know, folks don't realize, because we always look at the housing market, that's the mortgages are predicated on the 10-year um, treasury yield. But the rate hikes, and by the way, when they start cutting rates, it takes over a year to work their way into the broader economy. So I think he's got to make sure that we all understand that's why they're doing it, that they have not become dovish, that there is no pivot in the works. This is crucial because the market wants to, how do I say this, jumpstart the Fed's terminal rate. The market wants to see if they can get there first. It's a fear of missing out. It's the idea that, you know, we're not going to wait until the last rate hike before we go into the market. That's so passe. But statistically, that's what used to happen. He's got to get the market to understand the Fed isn't finished, but it doesn't mean that it will be as aggressive as it has been. That's the message. It's a fine line. It's difficult. But he's proven lately that the market does get the mem memo after all. Yeah, um, clearly. A balancing act. There's, yes. there's no question. Quincy, well, yeah. well said. Let, let's go from that balancing act to another balancing act, which is, and you know, just a, a, a few minutes on on China. 
Oh. COVID policy and the and the machinations going on there and and the you know the in the moving parts and and we'll talk a little bit about you know commodities as well and 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 obviously the the 800 pound gorilla that is China in terms of its impact on on commodities but um, so far Chinese equities are not really um, you know showing any signs of real definitive life here the downtrend is relatively. Uh, pervasive. So, so what's going on in China in, in terms of what they plan on doing uh, with their COVID policy, perhaps, and and what implications does that have for, you know, perhaps the equity market, global economies, and commodities? A lot oh, of stuff. And you said one one minute. Okay. So, uh, <laughs> take, take take two or three. Thank you very much. Uh, yeah, it was amazing. So there's so many elements in this. Number one, China led the market to believe, despite the officials saying, no, we are wedded to zero COVID policy, meaning the lockdowns. Yet at the same time, they issued a 20 point uh, white paper, so to speak. A, a white paper means something in here, but a, a 20 point outline of easing, a targeted policy, a targeted policy that would not require as an intensive testing. One of the reasons is intensive testing is very expensive. They wanted to move away from that. Allow folks to have more, um, what shall I say, flexibility if they test um, negative, negative. Then they had an outbreak of COVID throughout the country, including in Beijing. And then they locked down and the lockdown was ferocious. So ferocious to the point that if you look at the, the demonstrations, that was actually given more, um, what shall I say, spark, which is a terrible term, given that there was a fire in a high rise. However, everyone was locked in, 10 people could not get out. They were locked in from the outside. And so the demonstrations that have followed have evolved, not just ease COVID, not just you know, be more flexible with, with the COVID strategy, but we want freedom. We want President Xi gone. It, it, you know, it's evolved into that. And the white paper aspect of it is they're walking around with what blank white papers that don't say anything but say everything. China is not going to allow this. They are going to get rid of the demonstrators they are, it is just not going to be allowed. And so, you know, we saw the market recover, by the way. The market started to recover uh, last night. And there was an announcement that the, they are going to vaccinate more of the elderly people or all of them. I don't know how they're going to do it. And you might say, Quincy, why aren't the elderly people vaccinated? Well, they don't believe in it. They, they, they're superstitious. They don't trust it. And so many of them have been very vulnerable. One of the things that the market is looking for, you know, for a more sustainable recovery, like moving away from a trader's market, which it is now, is that perhaps they work with the West. And we know there had been talks with Pfizer's German partner, BioNTech, regarding the um, technology for the uh, um, va vaccinations that are used in the West and the US. Moderna has used it and Pfizer has used it. The hope is, and when I say the hope, the hope is from an investor standpoint, right? That they start 
using that because what they've used is a vaccine, China-made vaccine that no one considers it to be particularly effective. But, but President Xi is wedded to this idea that they want to expunge COVID completely. They want to minimize the number of deaths and not have it be as we've had it in the US. And if that means not coexisting with COVID as we are now in the United States, so be it. However, however, the underside of it is that you stick with your policy, your economy is tanking, the unemployment rate is climbing, particularly among young people. And so, you know, you might be fighting demonstrations too many of them because they're actually winding up. The West is finding out about them. They're actually seeing some film that, get, that get, gets out. What the market wants to see is fix this, make it go away, make the demonstrations go away. And you could say, Quincy, that's so cold hearted because I get messages. The market doesn't want any kind of problem. That, that's just the way it is. And they want to see the economy open. They want to see the factories at work. Remember, China is still an important part of the global supply chain. Just ask Apple about it. Apple, Apple's main contact, main partner, putting together the iPhones, Foxconn, is offering you know, small bonuses for workers to stay in the loop. In other words, you don't leave. Regardless of what's happening on the outside, you stay there and you put these together. So Apple's share price really took a hit. There are other companies, we don't, you know, I'm not going to go into them right now, but many companies that still depend on China. So all of this, all of this has affected, as you've said, the commodity market. Why? Because China is the world's second largest economy, the largest importer of oil in the world. They have a property market. And I should point this out. They are offering a special um, what shall I say, uh, uh, deals for, for the uh, property developers. Their loans are in terrible shape. So they're offering lower rates, the ability to even get a loan, because most of these, these uh, property uh, developers couldn't even get a loan. They've been defaulting. So all of this is part of stimulus. They're requiring the banks to hold less money so that they can lend out more money. But nonetheless, if you're going to lock down an entire country for months, you're not going to spur the economy. <coughs> One thing that is interesting and perplexing, <coughs> and it's just a cold, colds are coming back into fashion now. And that is the 10-year treasure, the 10-year uh, yield on the Chinese 10-year uh, um, debt is actually inching higher. It's fascinating. It's absolutely fascinating because, you know, that the growth is so uh, not, not available. How? Why is it? Why is it inching higher? Is it the market looking at the possibility they get the COVID issue under control, the demonstrations are gone, and they actually can help spur the economy and bolster economic uh, efforts? We, you know, it remains to be seen. It's still very much a trader's market, and I also want to add, if I may, one one last thing. You know, there are, there's talk in the United States Congress that the new Congress may actually come in with a, a um, law or a provision 
that we will defend and make it absolute. It won't be ambiguous anymore that we will defend Taiwan. This is not something that President Xi wants to see out of the US Congress at all. You know, we, we had a, a policy of st strategic ambig ambiguity for so long, and now both sides of the aisle have been saying, oh, we are gonna defend Taiwan. You start putting it into a legal legalese um, document, it's going to it's going to create a, a real tension between the two countries. Yeah, and so Quincy, I mean, maybe maybe the absolute bottom line for market participants is is that you you don't paint a very good picture for for China. Lots of uncertainty, right? Which I mean, I think is is fairly clear once you dissect the issue as you have, um, which you know makes makes emerging markets a, a, a tough bet from a sustainable perspective. Like you said, there may be a, a trade here and there, but in terms of the way we allocate assets, um, we, we continue to favor U.S. markets over other global you know, equity markets for a reason. Um, one of those reasons, and tell me if, you, if I've got you correct on this, is one of those reasons is um, the uncertainty in China is just so pervasive. It's tough to sustainably put, you know, a, a large allocation there. Is that fair? It, it's fair. I mean, it, you know, it's a trader's market. Uh, some say that the U.S. market is a trader's market still now. Uh, and, you, you know, but we're not traders. So that that's that's the answer. We're not, we don't trade. But with all that said, I, just looking out, looking, you know, over a number of months, as the, it's clear that the Fed, is at the tail end of the rate height cycle uh, and the dollar has been weakening, that is going to help emerging markets. It's going to help emerging markets. You will see that as the dollar weakens, uh, the algorithms take over and, and, and emerging markets get a bid. But still in all, there's more than just a weaker US dollar that should sustain emerging markets, but particularly China and particularly this COVID policy. It's hard yeah. to it's hard to invest in the invest. Notice I say invest in a country that is still wedded to locking down millions of people for months at a time. Yeah, I, I agreed uh, and well said, Quincy. I mean, you, you raise a good point about the U.S. dollar and the, and the fact that we, yeah. we if we see that that currency weakening, it, it does present some semblance of a. A, a variable that as a creates a positive backdrop for emerging yeah. markets, but but maybe maybe too much to overcome, right? Um, is is the is the China uncertainty that you've that you've outlined? So, what one reason that we're that we're cautious on emerging markets? We remain cautious on on other non-U.S. markets, and and if we're putting our chips on the table from a, a more constructive perspective, it is. It is U.S. equities, um, and you know that that call I think has been somewhat rewarded over the last you know several weeks or so. We'll see what Jerome Powell says on Wednesday about that. Um, meanwhile, uh, Quincy, I, I I enjoyed talking to you. Um, I I appreciate you joining us today in, in Market Signals podcast on on this Tuesday, November 29th. Um, Thank you for your insight on China and thank you for the insight on the commodities markets and the variable moving parts of, of, the, uh, of China and emerging markets. And that'll do it for uh, this edition of the Market Signals podcast. Thank you, uh, the audience, for, for joining us. And as always, 
We'll see you next week. This material was provided by LPL Financial, is for general information only, and is not intended to provide specific advice or recommendations for any individual. There is no assurance that the views or strategies discussed are suitable for all investors or will yield positive outcomes. Investing involves risk, including possible loss of principal. Any economic forecasts set forth in the podcast may not develop as predicted and are subject to change. References to markets, asset classes, and sectors are generally regarding the corresponding market index. All indexes are unmanaged and cannot be invested into directly. Index performance is not indicative of the performance of any investment. All performance reference is historical and is no guarantee of future results. All information referenced in the podcast is believed to be from reliable sources. However, we make no representation as to its completeness or accuracy. Securities and advisory services offered through LPL Financial, a registered investment advisor and broker-dealer Member FINRA and SIPC insurance products are offered through LPL or its licensed affiliates. To the extent you are receiving investment advice from a separately registered investment advisor that is not an LPL affiliate, please note LPL makes no representation with respect to such entity. If your financial professional is located at a bank or credit union, please note that the bank or credit union is not registered as a broker-dealer or investment advisor. These products and services are being offered through LPL or its affiliates, which are separate entities from and not affiliates of the bank or credit union. Securities insurance offered through LPL or its affiliates are not insured by the FDIC or NCUA or any government agency, not bank or credit union guaranteed, not bank or credit union deposit or obligations, and may lose value.